Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Spell Check. My name is Spell Carr, and I hold a degree in business and economics from Hampton Sydney College. I work for Omnistar Financial Group in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I intend to release this podcast weekly and cover a variety of topics. Uh, including but not limited to market performance, significant financial events, economic trends and analysis, and general news related to sports, politics, etc. I will also include topics of interest that listeners present, so please reach out to me with ideas and questions. My email is spcarr at omnistarfinancial.com. And I can be reached directly at 910-408-0484. If I'm unable to answer your call, leave a brief message with your name and your phone number and I'll be sure to get back to you. Today I'm going to review the performance of the major indices last year and get everyone caught up on how the market is doing so far this year. Beyond this episode, there will be weekly performance reviews of the major indices, however, It will be a much smaller portion of the episode as that's just a a small value add that I'm trying to include in each each weekly episode. There's going to be a much larger message that I'm going to deliver. I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about the coming year. So without further ado, welcome to the first episode of Spellcheck. Ten, nine... into it. Before I touch on the major indices performances in 2022 and through the first five weeks of 2023, there are a few current events uh, that are in the news headlines and um, actually they, they pertain to today. So today is February 4th, 2023. The first headline that I want to talk about briefly, is the Duke-Carolina basketball game. I've been a Duke fan my entire life, uh, and I believe that this is the 259th uh, meeting of the teams. Uh, But this game is in Cameron Indoor, so it's in Durham, and um, I hope that the Blue Devils can find a way to, to victory tonight. The second bit of news that I'd like to discuss is the the Chinese balloon that's Uh, hovering in the United States airspace. Yesterday I was reading that the balloon was in or over Montana and this morning I woke up to a a headline that said the balloon was over my home state of North Carolina over uh, Charlotte which is the western part of the state. Um, I'm not quite sure what our government is going to do with this balloon, I'm quite frankly, I'm I'm shocked that it hasn't been brought to the ground already. Uh, they say that they're monitoring the balloon, and the 
Chinese have said that it was a, a balloon used to, to track the weather, and it went off course, but um, I'm a little bit of a skeptic as it relates to that. Um, if it was my decision, I would have brought that balloon down already, so uh, something to, that I'm keeping an, an eye on, especially since it's over United States airspace. But I'm, I'm sure that my listeners have uh, read about this as well and are, are up to date and up to speed, but I just wanted to mention it in case anyone had not heard about this. Anyway, let's get into the performance of the, the indices last year. So I'll start with the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It was down 8.78% in 2022. It began the year trading at $36,338 and ended the year trading at $33,147. I just finished the, the fifth week performance calculation uh, this morning. I had to wait for the, the numbers to post to my, my spreadsheet. I use the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Uh, it's an Excel add-in, so I, I wait for the numbers to populate there, and then once, uh, once the numbers are there, I then manipulate them to, to put them in a percent change from the previous week's close. So whenever I say, for example, week one, the Dow was up 1.46%. That means that in relation to the prior year, the close of the prior year, the Dow was up 1.46%. Week two, it was up 2%. Week three, it was down 2.7%. Week four, it was up 1.81%. And then let me navigate to my my spreadsheet uh, week five the Dow was down 0.15 percent <clears throat> the S&P 500 was down 19.44 percent in 2022 it began the year trading at four thousand seven hundred and sixty six dollars and ended the year trading at three thousand eight hundred and thirty nine dollars week one the indice was up 1.45 percent Week two, the indice was up 2.67%. Week three, the indice was down 0.66%. And week four, it was up 2.47%. And then week five, it was up 1.62%. The NASDAQ in 2022 had the worst performance of the three major indices. It was on a percentage basis. It was down 33.1%. It began the year trading at $15,644 and ended the year trading at $10,466. But the first five weeks of of 2023, the NASDAQ has been hot. It was up 0.98% in week one, up 4.82% in week two, up 0.55% in week three, up 4.32% in week four, and up 3.31% in week five. That's a wrap on the indices performances uh, in 2022 and through the first five weeks of 2023. Uh, Again, in following episodes, this will be a, a very small segment, but I did want to highlight the performances through 2022, so that's why it's a little bit longer this week. Now I'm going to move transition into 
this week's spotlight, this week's spell check, and that is personal savings and the personal savings rate. When you get paid, taxes are withdrawn and the income left over leaves you with a choice. Save or spend. What isn't spent is saved, so saving and spending are inversely related, which is rather easy to understand. That's a simple concept. The personal savings rate, or the ratio of total personal saving to disposable income, lends information about current and future consumption. So I'm going to try to break this down in an easier to comprehend way. A low savings rate equals higher current consumption, lower future consumption. When you spend more now, you typically have better living standards now, but you have less money left for future living standards. A high savings rate equals lower current consumption, higher future consumption. Less spending now means you usually have worse living standards now, but you have more money for capital investments that boost future living standards. So why am I spell checking personal savings and the personal savings rate? As a financial professional, it's my responsibility to help clients achieve their financial goals. Um, and one of the major components in doing so is looking at someone's savings rate. What are you putting away for uh, the future? What, what do you have? What, what financial goals do you have for the future? Uh, you obviously have a retirement goal, but are there other financial goals that you'd like to achieve prior to retirement? My job is to assess, um, based on a number of variables, what you should put away, what, what needs to be saved. Uh, so I was doing some reading the other day, and for those of you who, who don't know, I'm studying for my CFP, the Certified Financial Planner designation. Um, so I'm doing quite a bit of reading uh, in my free time, but I saw a, a, a table that really stuck out to me, uh, but it, it compares the age at which you begin regular and recurring savings to the savings rate required in, in that age range uh, to create appropriate capital for retirement. So if you began, uh, and again, this is from the table that I, I saw in my reading, but if you began saving regular and recurring savings between ages 25 and 35, it's estimated that from your disposable income, that's key, you would need to save 10 to 13%. Maybe you began saving regular and recurring savings, um, between ages 35 and 45, it's estimated that from your disposable personal income, you would need to save between 13 and 20%. And if you started saving a little later in life, between 45 and 55, it's estimated that from your disposable personal income, you would need to save between 20 and 40%. So I thought that I would share this table uh, or the information within the the table because it's pretty valuable 
Um, but also know that everyone's financial situation is unique and you should consult with a financial professional before deciding um, what, what is best for you uh, and, and your financial goals. But I want to build a little bit more on the savings rate and, and talk about some pretty cool statistics that I pulled also from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis um, in this episode and subsequent episodes, I'm going to refer to that as Fred for short. Um, but, but Fred and the U.S. Department of Economic Analysis documented an average personal savings rate of 33.8% in April of 2020. And fun fact for my listeners, that was a record high. By November of 2020, this fell to 13.3%, but rose again to 26.3% in March of 2021. These peaks and valleys make sense because the federal government pumped three rounds of economic stimulus payments into consumers' wallets, so um, people were receiving checks that they weren't uh, accustomed to receiving, and, and Many people saved that money. They were able to save that money. So it makes sense that the, the savings rate hit a record high. On the other side of the coin, the personal savings rate fell to 2.4% as of November 2022. That is low. And the prior month, uh, the personal savings rate was 2.2%. Also, fun fact for my listeners, that ties the record low. July of 2005 was the last time the savings rate was that low. Um, so that that's uh, important. And, and remember, the statistics that I presented from the table those savings rates are much higher than the ones that we're seeing now. Uh, and actually, I'm going to present information from another article I was reading. Uh, the Congressional Research Service put this together towards the beginning of July of 2022. Um, but I found that, that this was relatively interesting uh, because it... it relates exactly to the personal savings rate but and I'm gonna I'm gonna quote this so that I don't lose anything in translation but um, so quote prior to the COVID-19 pandemic the personal savings rate was below 10% for a majority of the previous two decades in historical context this was relatively low with rates between 10% and 15% for much of the 1950s through 1980s. While the personal savings rate has increased during the recession, there is, as of yet, little evidence to suggest that it will remain elevated indefinitely. Regardless of any future trends in the personal savings rate, the prolonged low rates have implications for individuals, such as the ability to save adequately for retirement or the ability to pay unexpected expenses. And 
there's there's also mention of a, a study that was done in 2018. Um, 27% of adults would need to borrow or sell something to pay for an unexpected expense of $400, while 12% would not be able to cover the expense at all. I found this rather eye-opening. Um, a $400 unexpected expense, I mean $400, that's a good good amount of money, uh, but, but the fact that you would have to borrow uh, money to cover the expense one tells me that people's emergency funds are not where they should be, and maybe that can be a, a topic of another podcast. Uh, but two, the savings rate, people are not going to be able to achieve their financial goals. People are not going to have enough money when it comes time to retire, uh, and, and that is, that's a major issue. Um, so I, I think the report said it very well. Um, there will be implications for in individuals such as the ability to save adequately for retirement or the ability to pay unexpected expenses. That's spot on. Um, and so if, if you think that you're saving appropriately, I would recommend getting the advice of a professional. Um, and, and even if you know that you are, it might not be a bad idea to, to get a second opinion. Because everybody wants to retire when they want to retire. I mean, it, we, we deal with people all the time who are clients all the time. And whenever we ask, would you like to retire at 60 or 62? Everyone's answer is, yeah, that'd be great. And we want our clients to be able to do that. Everyone should afford themselves the opportunity to do that. But one of the ways that you do that is you have to make sacrifices now. You have to save appropriately now. And if you don't, you're probably going to have to have a pretty difficult conversation when it comes time to retire because instead of saying, yes, you can, you can retire now, um, the, the answer might be, sorry, you, you just you can't do it. You don't have what you need in the bank or in your investment accounts or wherever your money might be. Uh, you just don't have enough. You're not going to be able to live the lifestyle that you want to live in retirement. And that's, that's another conversation. Maybe you won't have a desired lifestyle that you would like to live in retirement. And if you don't save now appropriately, uh, you, you're not going to be able to sustain your desired lifestyle in retirement. So that's why the personal savings rate is being spell-checked. I follow numbers and statistics uh, frequently. I, I'm in them every day. I'm a numbers-oriented, data-driven individual. I, I believe that numbers tell a very precise story. Um, you, get, you get no fluff when it comes to the numbers. You know, they are what they are, and they can help you achieve your goals but they can also show you that you are not going to achieve your goals. And so that's why I'm spell checking it. When I saw that the personal savings rate had fallen to a uh, tide for a record low just a couple months ago, that, that stood out to me and I, I wanted to bring it to everyone's attention. So 
be mindful of what you're spending, be mindful of what you're saving, and if you have any questions, reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to answer them or chat with you about, about any of this. Thanks for listening to Spellcheck. I hope you've enjoyed the content in this episode. Um, I look forward to spell checking you again next week, and I, I promise that next week's episode will be shorter. I, there won't be a, an entire year's worth of indice performance to go through. It'll just be one week. Until then, have a good one. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.